Welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. We're going to wrap up our series entitled Treasure Hunters because when Jesus walked the earth, he said many profound things about money and possessions. And one of the things that he said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 was this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, what we treasure, what we value says much about what we love. How we spend our time, our money, our resources says much about our heart. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking, we've been looking at and learning some valuable principles about money and possessions. First, we learn that everything we have actually belongs to God. Everything that we think we own is actually on loan. We looked at the life of Abraham and David, and we realized that everything we think we own, our time, our money, our possessions are actually on loan. They're not ours. They don't belong to us. We're not owners. We're managers. This was the second principle that we are managers of God's resources. We are investors of what belongs to him. And the third one is that he's going to hold us accountable for how we utilize his resources. He entrusts us with a certain amount of talents and resources and and possessions, and he will hold us accountable at the end of our lives. We will stand before God to give an account of the way that we used his money and possessions. Does that ring any bells? Is that anyone tracking with me? That's what we've been kind of working through over the last few weeks. And today... We want to conclude our series by looking at some practical ways to manage God's money. We want to get to X that marks the spot. When it comes to money, we want to manage and follow the directions found in Scripture to that X, to that place that marks the spot. And when it comes to the X, as far as God's plan for us when it comes to money, the X is freedom. That the destination, according to the Bible, that God has for each money is freedom. Financial freedom, financial peace. God wants us to experience financial peace. He wants us to move away from financial confusion or or financial bondage to financial peace and freedom. So today we want to get practical. We want to look at some of the directions, some of the steps we need to make in order to get to the spot of financial freedom. And I'm going to interview a couple people uh, this morning that are on the journey towards that spot of financial peace and freedom to learn how they are taking steps towards that goal that God has for each one of us. But before we do that, I'd like to call up our five volunteers who did the $100 challenge. If you're here, I'd love for you to come on up here. And for those of you that haven't been here, we we uh, we did the $100 challenge a couple of weeks ago, and that was simply to have... Five volunteers each have $100 bill, and they were asked to do four things. One was to uh, acknowledge that the money is not theirs. Second was to uh, use the resources in a way that honors God. Yeah, why don't you guys come all the way up on top here. And then third was to get some other people involved. And then the last thing was to uh, come back in two weeks and tell us what you did with the money. We're kind of modeling the the parable of the talents and asking you to sort of walk this process with us and then tell us a little bit about what you learned. So love to hear. First, we're going to start with Pat 
And then we're going to go to uh, Trisha. No, first Joanne. First Joanne, and then Trisha, and then Pat, then Ryan. All right, so because uh, we got a couple photos up there, I think, to, to help us see what you did with the money. So what did you do with it? And then maybe something that you learned. And the pressure's on because my husband nudged me and said, two minutes, Joanne, two minutes. Two so minutes. So he's going to hold the card up, so we're starting right now at two minutes. We'll say 90 seconds. 90 seconds, 90 <laughs> seconds, okay. The the photo that you're looking at right now, I don't know if anybody recognizes that. Does anybody recognize this photo? Raise your hand if you recognize it. That's a photo of um, lives that are being saved. And as I sang worship songs this morning, the mighty to save exemplifies that photo right there. Those are lives that are being saved. And the Lord is so mighty to save. He is raising the dead. He is doing miracles today through Teen Challenge. That's a photo of Teen Challenge. When Chad gave me the $100 bill, I felt kind of like uh, you know, Schindler's List, where he, uh, he looks at his uh, car or his watch at the end of the movie and says, this could buy so many lives. I could have saved so many lives. And my mind started going on this spinning wheel of what I was going to do with that money and where I could make it to, to, to advance God's kingdom. And then it was a no-brainer. My son, Mark Burton, is in Teen Challenge as we speak. And hallelujah and praise God for the prayers that have been answered for a life that needed to be saved. I brought this, uh, this Bible book of promises. This book went into Mark's hands during a time when he was really very much spiritually dead. I sent it along with some money that he needed for rent. Didn't know at that time whether he would throw it out. He kept this book, and this book of God's promises started the Holy Spirit to start working in his heart. So my $100 bill is marking a spot in God's book of promises at a point where it talks about when you were dead in your sins, you were not set free from sinful things of the world, but God forgave your sins and gave you new life through Christ. That's from Colossians 2.13. My son is receiving new life through Christ. Those folks right there are receiving new life from Christ. The $100 bill went towards Teen Challenge. I put it into uh, contributing more money and got other people involved so that we are buying a table worth $700 to be at the um, Teen Banquet uh, uh, in April, where we will witness lives being saved, and all that money of that $700 goes back to Teen Challenge to continue the work that God is doing in that place. So I thank you very much. It will be put to good use. All right. Thank you. Okay. My picture is of a little um, boy in Africa um, who was orphaned by AIDS. And you can see wrapped around that little baby, or that little boy, is a little um, blanket that's been knit. And I 
which I brought props, and I was going to bring as many as I gathered, but I had too many, so I just brought a bag full. Um, but right when I left the service with that $100, I um, went out, and I have a bunch of girls here at church that are probably a lot here today that were part of a knitting club. And we meet every other week, and we knit usually pants or sweaters or hats for our kids or friends. Um, so I went to them and said, we need to use this money to knit something for charity. And we had talked about this ministry um, I don't know, probably a few months ago, and we just never really did anything with it. So this $100 was kind of a spur or a poke to actually make something happen. And there's actually over 11 million children that are either abandoned or um, orphaned by AIDS in Africa. And a lot of them are left with absolutely nothing, live on the streets, live in shacks. Um, some are actually in orphanages. And they need a way to keep warm. And so what this ministry does, is called Knit a Square Ministry, is um, you make 8-inch squares that look like this. And you send them to this ministry, and they knit them together and make blankets for little children over in Africa. And the cool thing is, I was thinking with this $100, I would go out and I'd just buy a ton of yarn and give it to people so they can knit. Um, but um, everyone that I talked to, I actually probably talked to, you know, eight people. Um, they all just wanted to donate the yarn that they had. And so I really had to spend nothing. And these, and all my friends and people I knew that I talked to spread the word. And I think right now I have 26 women that are knitting squares. Um, and getting, getting to me, um, getting them to me in some way. And then I'm using the money then to ship the squares off and also to donate to this organization to allow them to knit them together and then send them off to Africa. So I was thinking I would use the money to buy the yarn, but since everyone was so excited about it and I have like 26 ladies, I think right now um, we have enough blankets for 10 blankets to send and everyone wanted to keep knitting, so I'm going to wait another couple weeks to send them off and hopefully we can get 20 to 30 blankets um, paid for and sent off to send to little kids in Africa. So, so that's it. Wonderful. Um, when I first got this $100 bill, I was not real enthusiastic about it. I kind of felt stressed a lot. Um, there's a lot of great causes out there. And um, I talked to some people after the service, and they gave me some more great causes. And so I was really kind of worried about what to do with it. So I basically taped the $100 bill to my screen in my office and decided I was going to pray on it. Um, and putting it in the, on the screen helped me keep it in my attention to kind of pray on it throughout the day. And um, about Thursday or so after that, I got an email from Dan and Debbie Minnell. Um, they run a ministry in South Minneapolis. Um, and they, in fact, this, uh, there's some people at church here who represent them or donate to them, I should say. And I'd met them before. They were at our house. Um, they're very nice people. And so I felt, this is their slide right here. Um, I felt this might be the, the thing to do, so I prayed on it, and I felt I made a decision to donate the money to them, and I felt a, a real peace about it. And it was a, um, a real real good experience for me in that regard. So in any event, then I sent a copy of the email and my um, decision to my community group and got some people in the community group to make some dis uh, contributions in addition. And then the ushers got an email and they made some uh, contributions and some other people too. And so we've been able to double the 100 bucks and we'll give a little over 200 bucks to Dan and Debbie Manel for their ministry in South Minneapolis. They basically... Um, work with a number of people. They claim they're moving to a place that has the highest number of diverse languages in one neighborhood in the country, somewhere down there. And it's um, a nice ministry, and they're great people.
All right, thank you. So I was a lot like my friend here. When I first got the 100 bucks, I was, uh, I was a little nervous, didn't really know how I was going to spend the money. And the second I put the money in my pocket, just my mind just started racing, and I had all these ideas, and, but nothing really gave me any peace on what to do with the money. And then the very next day, I'm at home, and I'm checking my email, and I get an email from a high school friend that I haven't talked to for 11 years. And in the email, she says, Ryan, have you ever thought about doing a sports ministry trip through Athletes in Action? He goes, and the reason I ask is because I just got an email from the coach of the men's basketball team that's taking a team to Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan in, uh, in March. And, and, and on top of it, they had a need for two guys 6'5 or taller. So, so immediately I was... <laughs> Immediately, I was blown away, and I forwarded the email to my, my buddy Ryan Collins right here, who's six seven. We've we've done sports ministry together. We've done a, uh, a basketball trips to El Salvador. We've done the same type of thing, and uh, you know, immediately we just prayed about it, and we feel like God was really calling us to go on this trip. So for the hundred dollars, we kind of see it being used twofold. As we're raising money, I'm telling people a story about the hundred dollars and how it kind of sparked this this whole idea, and hopefully that will raise support for the trip and uh, you know, allow us to, to go on this trip and share the, the, the good news of Jesus with people. And secondly, we're actually going to take the $100 to Kyrgyzstan and spend it there to show the, the love of Jesus to the people there. So we're looking forward to uh, an opportunity to come back and, and uh, share our trip with you and, and how the, uh, the $100 were spent. Excellent. Thank you. I should have a picture, but I don't because I'm, you know, that over 50 group that doesn't know how to do stuff like <laughs> digital pictures. Um, hi, I'm John Alquist, and I really did share this same sense of angst about, oh, great, now I am on the spot. I'm, I'm sure I was going to be the one that, you know, buried it in the ground and had nothing to show. <laughs> and I thought maybe maybe Chad would appreciate having at least one of us do that just so we'd have somebody to look at, but that's not me. Um, I, I kind of had a similar experience in that I, when I was uncertain what to do, I really did pray about it a lot. Uh, sometimes I say I'm going to do that, and then I just sort of do it once, and then I forget. But this one was on my mind, and I just was not having any sense of peace about what to do with it at all. And lo and behold, I, uh, I got an email, too. Well, or not an email, but an actual letter and it was from a former student of mine that I had in class a couple of years ago and um, didn't even know she was a Christian, but it turns out she was going on a mission trip this summer, and she really uh, was looking for an opportunity to raise some money because um, their family really couldn't afford to send her, and this kind of came out of the blue. Well, I substitute teach once in a while now that I'm retired, and I went to school the next day, and I kind of put out my feelers and found out where she was and went and talked to her about it. And um, her, her youth group, she actually goes to Noka Covenant Church, which I didn't even know until this situation came up. And, um, and they're going to someplace in Mexico this summer. And, and I, I talked to her and I said, you know, tell me, Natalie, what, uh, what do you want to do this for? And what do, you, what do you expect to learn from this? And she just gave me this 30 minutes of unbridled enthusiasm. Um, 
it, it was it was just thrilling to me to hear how excited she was to to kind of be the senior. She was a senior in high school now, lead these kids down to this trip and uh, to tell the kids in Mexico about Jesus. She was very excited about that. I thought, my goodness, this this is it. This is where it is. So I, but she lives out in Ramsey, and I thought, well, I maybe I should talk to my community group here. But I thought none of them live out in Ramsey. And so we're, Peggy and I are part of a neighborhood Bible study up in Anoka. And so I talked to those folks, sent them an email, and I actually haven't got the full result back yet, but no, we know that we've at least doubled the $100, and we're waiting to hear on some of the others. We have our next Bible study on Monday night, so I expect that I'll hear something from them. But I'm very excited to contribute um, at least $200 to Natalie and this opportunity for her to go to Mexico with uh, the kids at her church. So that's where we're headed. All right. Give it up. I see that. So what I heard today was, uh, was a little bit of angst. You know, it was a little bit of anxiety. I, I got $100 of God's money. And I'm going to have to do something with it and then come back and talk to all these people about what I did with it. And, and then I also heard uh, some prayer that somehow this $100 moved you to ask God and moved you closer to him and made you more aware of how he's at work and how you could join him in that. And then I heard this joy from Teen Challenge to Knitting in Africa to South Minneapolis to, to Mexico to Kyrgyzstan. This great sense of joy of participating in what God wants to accomplish here on earth. God gives us hundreds of dollars. God gives us thousands of dollars. God gives us so much. And this is what he wants us to experience. This, this, oh God, you've given me so much. It's angst. What do you want me to do with it? And then I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to pray to you. And I'm going to watch and see how you're at work. And then I'm going to invest my resources, other people's, I'm going to get other people involved. And then I'm going to experience this joy of utilizing what you have entrusted in me for the sake of others. That's what he has for each one of us. Well done. Good and faithful servants, you can share in your master's happiness. Let's give it up for all five. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about financial principles, biblical principles related to finances, one of the things that I've noticed that most of us know a lot about biblical financial principles. Most of us know that it's not ours. That all that we have is actually God's. All that we have is actually on loan. That it doesn't really belong to us. And most of us know that we're supposed to invest God's money wisely. Most of us know that we're going to be held accountable for how we utilize what God has entrusted to us. Most of us know that, that we're, we're, we're to, that debt is dumb. You know, that to get into debt is probably not a good idea. Most of us know that, that the, the borrower is servant to the lender, as the scriptures declare. Most of us know that's a good idea to save. That, that is, as Proverbs reminds us that, that those that save their resources in Proverbs 2120, it says that the house of the wise are the stores of choice food and oil, but the foolish man devours all that he has. He spends all that he has. He doesn't save it for other times when he might need it. Most of us know it's good to save. Most of us know it's good to get out of debt and to invest God's resources. Most of us know it's good to give and return back to God. But what I've noticed is that some of us have a hard time implementing what we know. We know it here, but for whatever reason, it doesn't transfer here and then into our hands and into our experiences with 
giving to places and, and participating in what God wants to accomplish here on earth. So this morning, instead of giving more principles, I'd like us to hear from two individuals that are on the journey. Two individuals that are on the path towards the spot of financial freedom and peace. They're not there yet. They haven't arrived, but they're on the journey. And I'd like to just hear from them, learn from them some of the steps, some of the ways, some of the decisions that they are making to have made to get to the spot of financial peace and freedom. So would you join me in welcoming Charlie Bolanino and, and Joa Kinnicky? Come on up here. So uh, Charlie and, and uh, Joa, you guys are, are fairly new to the, you can have a seat, you're fairly new to the church here. You haven't been here too long. So Joa, why don't you guys just introduce yourselves real quick. All right. Um, I am Joa and um, I've known Chad for quite a while, a good friend of mine, um, as well as my pastor, if you will. Um, I work for the Minnesota Orchestra doing graphic design. Um, which is great, and it was recently married. I think we uh, just crossed the four-month mark. Um, so uh, my husband, Andrew, is right here, and it's been a great four months. So just starting kind of a new phase of life, um, you know, professional, young professional, married, all of those good things. So Thank you. Brief. Charlie. Well, we've been coming here for about a year now, um, and Pache, we've known each other for a little while, um, and I am... Married to my beautiful bride, uh, Rachel, for the past seven years. Uh, we have two kids. Uh, there they are. Wow, on the big screen. Leah and Kara, three and a half and one and a half. Kara was uh, just dedicated here a few months ago. Uh, and yeah, now it's been about a year coming to church here. Great. Uh, thank you for, for coming up here and uh, talking about uh, your journey towards financial peace and freedom mm-hmm. and some of the decisions that you've made in order to get there. And for just uh, sharing those with us today. Uh, so, uh, Joel, we'll start out with you. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your financial history? What did you learn about money growing up? Um, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, really. I mean, it, when I think back to that, we never talked about it. You know, my parents never sat down and, you know, said, this is what we're doing. Or, you know, here's $20. Use it well for the next month or anything like that. Um, but it was just not talked about in our home at all. And um, by the time I went to college, I moved to a completely new city on my own. Um, I, was, I was faced with just everything that comes with moving away and not having that experience growing up left me figuring it out on my own. So a uh, new place to live, rent, uh, student loans. I just took out a big loan. I had to go to school, um, just did that. And uh, was kind of facing that on my own for a few years. It wasn't until after college uh, that things started to hit me as a young adult, uh, for sure. I moved to Minneapolis, um, coming from Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, that was a new city, too. I knew no one up here, no one, and rent was higher. I needed a couch. I needed a bed. I needed all these things for myself, and, of course, my uh, student loans kicked into gear as well, so I started paying those off, and I was 20 years old, and I had, it was over, like, $60,000 uh, um of debt floating around. So, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that felt a little crushing then. It was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you didn't have much childhood education related to, to money and managing it. And then you come in, first job, you got, you got car loan, you got school loans, you got high rent. 
and, and you're carrying about $60,000 in debt. Charlie, that wasn't necessarily your experience. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your okay. background with, uh, with your financial history? Sure. I mean, maybe a little bit different. I mean, I, I feel like I was very blessed to have parents who kind of modeled good financial behavior as we were growing up. Not that we had a whole bunch of specific lessons and things like that, but, you know, my dad always made us save half and keep or uh, spend half of our, of our allowance and things like that. Good, good behavior, I suppose, to start with. And, you know, things happen as we, you know, we got married seven years ago and things like that, where, of course, as two people come together as husband and wife, we kind of have different approaches to things a little bit. Uh, I've never just, noticed that. No, no. <laughs> I'm sure no one else has either ever. ever. Um, but as we were doing that, you know, we were doing, you know, I thought we were doing well. You know, we were doing all right as far as kind of floating through the months, you know, and, um, you know, money would come in and money would go out. And as we saw that, as long as the, the checking balance didn't go up or down too much, we were kind of felt like, hey, you know, things are, are doing all right. And I think as... We both saw the situation. I was like, we're not making the kind of um, progress we want to make. And I think that was just because we had sort of a, there was a lack of a kind of a roadmap or a plan to all this. Uh, we just kind of floated through. And again, we, um, you know, and we didn't quite make the progress we wanted to make. And it was kind of that same thing where as you're trying to figure out why aren't we getting there, we're trying to do all these things we know we're supposed to save and pay off debt and give and all these kind of wonderful things. Why aren't we making the progress here? And so, of course, when you don't really have a written firm record of where all the money is going and stuff like that, uh, you play a little bit of the, maybe the blame game of uh, who's spending what and all that kind of stuff. And again, I'm sure no one has ever rolled their eyes at anything that their spouse has purchased or anything like that. Um, but for us, I mean, I can give an example. I mean, for me, and I just got this fixated in my mind, was every time I saw my wife who had a cup of Starbucks in her, in her hand, I thought, five bucks, not Starbucks, five bucks, right? And... Of course, I've been married for seven years, so I, trust me, I have gotten permission to tell this story. So. <laughs> I know good enough. Um, and, and that's something that, that became fixated in my mind, not realizing that, of course, I'm sure she's rolling her eyes at me for things that I was doing. And that's kind of how we got into um, where we were before. Yeah. So, so you needed, you noticed there was some tension in your relationship. Mm-hmm. You didn't necessarily have a plan. You're just kind of floating through mm-hmm. a budget and floating through life. Right. And uh, so... Um, Charlie, uh, what, what changed? I mean, what, what prompted you to take better care of God's money? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it was that realization that we wanted to be better managers of these resources. I think that really has been pressing, you know, kind of something that's been on us um, over the last several years was, again, from our own personal balance sheet, wondering where's everything going, but then realizing we should have a plan for this stuff. Um, uh, you know, several years back, I started listening to uh, Dave Ramsey on the radio. Um, and then going went through his financial peace university class at, at Wooddale Church, uh, where it was offered, and it was really there where it really kind of just became something on our hearts that we just wanted to be better managers of this stuff, yeah. um, to not, not let all the you know things come in and things go out, and it just you really don't have a plan. Um, and so that really I think changed it for us. It really kind of pressed on us the, the, the Proverbs twenty two seven, you know, the borrower servant to the lender, and it was like you know what that's right that we really only want to be. Um, Servant to, to God in, in that. And, and the more that we're kind of clamped down on that kind of stuff, the more that the debt's sort of weighing us down, it, um, it keeps us from doing that the way that, that we really feel like we're called to. Okay. And so it was those kind of principles that we learned um, through that class and obviously through messages and things like that that really changed our hearts. Great. Thank you. What about for you, Joel? What sort of, what changed uh, for you? Uh, why did you choose to manage God's money differently? Hmm. Um definitely have to say God. I mean, I know that's cliche and, you know, I sometimes get wrapped up in not liking those or listening to them, but for sure it was God changing my heart um, on one half of it. You know, um, 
I was telling you, I have this prayer journal, and sometimes I'm really dedicated to it, and sometimes I'm not. But um, I did pull this out not that long ago. True story. And uh, it was like five years ago or something, which is right about the time I was getting out of college and all this stuff was coming too. And I wrote these really vague little things like, God, help me with my money. (laughs) Just really little prayers, if you will, that were quick and short and did not have a lot of depth to them, but for sure was on my mind. Clearly, I wrote it down. and so it's probably been a year or two that this like whole change of heart has come around, but I can't, you know, give that to anything else but God. That was God saying, "All right, you've been thinking about this for five years. I'm gonna like finally stir this in you mm-hmm. to make a change and uh, see this for what it is. See money for what it is. It's, it's mine, and I'm giving it to you to manage." So uh, I would say, you know, part of it was God. You know, half of it was God just nudging me to make a change and. The human part of me also needed the facts. So there was the facts side of it, which was, you know, having this giant car loan. And I'm like, this just can't be right. You know, like $500 a month is going towards a car. Just, just like that. Uh, I had credit cards. I totally, <laughs> totally had credit cards I was paying off as well. So a chunk goes there. And I remember getting one of my student loan bills once. And the payoff date's like 2034. <laughs> I was like, what is that, like the space age? I mean, this seems so far away. And... I started to see these numbers, and I think that churned with what God was doing. I was like, this, this can't be the way I'm supposed to be managing it. There has to be something different. Yeah, so it was just God, those two things. So God was stirring in both of your hearts and looking at the reality of your finances, and you made some changes. You took some steps. And, and Joel, I want to bring it back over to you. Uh, once you sensed that God was leading, asking you to, to manage his money differently, what did you do next? Well, I took a class. <laughs> this is like Charlie and uh, me re- reuniting yeah. here. This is kind of cool. We actually took this class together, what, two years ago, three years yeah. ago or something. Yeah. And um, here we are now, again, talking about you know, our experiences. Which is <laughs> <laughs> just really cool. God's good like that. But um, took a class, so that was good, uh, the financial piece university class, which just gives you like the facts, you know, how to really handle it in a practical way. So that was definitely good. Um, but then the tangible things I did, I looked at my big fat elephant in my debt, I don't know, picture. And that was definitely my car. Um, I had a really cool car. (laughs) I did. I had a a convertible. This is me being really sad because I'm realizing that I have to get rid of some things. Um, and so this was my big ticket item. (laughs) Oh, this, yeah, this is me thinking about selling it because I realized I needed to do something. But when I really did figure it out, I felt much better about it, and I was excited. This is me. I'm excited that I'm going to sell my car and get rid of debt. Uh, but, you know, once I sold that, I instantly had that freedom from having that gone, you know, and that was one chunk off of my debt. And um, it was awesome. So sold my car. It took about six months to change my heart to do that. I took a few road trips in it, and then I let it go. Um, but that was a total good experience, you know. And now I drive a 90 or 91-something car. It costs $1,000, and I'm totally cool with that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, those are some of the practical things I did. And I definitely had to um, get down um, pen and paper and really start to write things out so that I had a visual uh, goal, I guess. I, I worked a budget. I had a couple months in the red. It really frustrated me. It was hard. Um, I just was convinced that I didn't make enough money and there's no way I could do this. And uh, after about three or four months, it all started to line up and I started to get bigger chunks of cash on things um, and just really was able to have goals and stuff. So it was those practical things that I did that started to get 
um, going. I had some momentum. I felt like I could do it. So those are my practical things that I did. <laughs> Thank you. How about you, Charlie? What, what did you start to do as you sensed God leading you to take some practical steps? You know, I think one of the biggest ones was us actually, you know, I guess being intentional on how we were going to handle this stuff. And you know, the biggest thing for us was actually just sitting down and having the conversation before the month began about how we were going to spend money that month. And, you know, we, we talked about, you know, we actually did the written budget, you know, we, before we were kind of the, the ballpark, you know, general budgeters where 300 goes to grocery and 200 goes over here and we don't really track how it's going and then that, that kind of blame game thing that happens when you don't know why we didn't make more progress kind of a thing. And so when we decided that we were going to be intentional about that and actually write down what we were going to spend as the month began and then kind of track to that, um, a little hesitant for me at first, frankly. Um, I think Rachel was actually more the one that was a fan of getting that started and doing that. Um, I was more like, you know, the tie-down of it and all that kind of stuff I felt like was going to happen. What I didn't realize um, was that sort of the freedom that came with making those decisions before the month even began um, just sort of gave us a, it really set us free when it came to some of the tensions that were happening uh, with regards to our finances. And it's, it was a classic case of um, seeing the, the, the splinter in one person's eye and having a plank in your own when you start actually doing this stuff. Because here, this, you know, $30 I find out she's, you know, she's spending on Starbucks in an entire month with friends and things like that as she's going out. I write, I'm writing down my numbers and it's classic. Okay, I spend $80 a month on bowling leagues and <laughs> wait, you pack your lunch every day and I buy mine every day? All right. <laughs> and, yeah, and you write that and you, and you learn a lot about each other and, and it just gives you sort of a, a sense of peace that you're on the same page when it comes to this stuff and that you're, no one's trying to, you know, is the idea is we're not trying to sabotage each other and things like that. You need to have some, um, really some, and if there has been that in the past, you kind of have to have some grace about it a little bit and say, all right, we're going to handle it a little differently. Um, but for us, that was the, the, really the game changer was having that written plan before the month began talking about it. Uh, and tracking to it. And that became, that helped us be better managers of it. I think you remember you used the phrase, every dollar has an eight. Yeah. Talk about that just briefly. You know, I, I think, well, Dave Ramsey, he's a big, Joe's laughing because she's <laughs> been through the class. You know, every dollar has a name before the month begins. And it, it's a core principle of what he, what he teaches and what he goes through. Um, because frankly, every dollar should have a name in the budget. Uh, whether it's for, for necessities like the roof over your head or the turning the lights on, we want to make sure those are paid and things like that. But it is also about, you know, I think we're also called in the Bible to enjoy some of the resources that, resources that we have and that we shouldn't feel guilty about every decision being at the store saying, well, should I or shouldn't I? And all those kind of, you know, heart-wrenching kind of questions sometimes uh, when it comes to our money. And so if we've already said at the beginning of the month, for example, we're going to be able to spend $50 this, you know, this month on whatever you want, Hey, you know, the decisions aren't even made and you can just say, do I want this or not? Not should I or shouldn't I? And just what's he going to think or what's she going to think? It really set us free that way um, with regards to just the regular everyday stuff. But, but frankly, in, in regards to, to giving yeah. uh, and, and just in the way that it wasn't about at the end of the month saying, you know, how much do we have available to be able to give? Uh, it was much more about here's what we're going to give this month. And that has a place on the first line of the budget before we even get started. Um, and, and so in, in, a, in a very big way for me, it, that set us free to, to be able to give. Yeah. So so you you put the money where your values were and you said, this is what we want to put towards giving or this is what we want to put towards groceries. And every that's right. Every dollar had a name at the mm-hmm. beginning of the month, which decreased the stress or mm-hmm. the blame game mm-hmm. in your relationship with your wife. Sure. Now, both of you mentioned Financial Peace University, and there were some basic steps, some baby steps, some directions to get to that spot of financial peace or, or, or freedom. Charlie, you just want to rattle off a couple of those steps? Well, 
I think we got a slide. Pop quiz, for right? Yeah. <laughs> I can always sneak back at the slide, I suppose. Yeah. One, of the, one of the things I had, had mentioned was that we just didn't feel like we had a roadmap for this kind of stuff. You know, we always hear these things wherever you, you know, hear about financial stuff. It's like, yeah, we know we should be saving and budgeting and paying off debt and giving and all these things that we want to be doing. What's kind of the, the order of operations that we should be doing uh, this in? And, and for us, the, having the, the, the kind of that, that Dave Ramsey uh, financial peace roadmap helped us with that. It became less of a guessing game in that regard. We already knew if we had an extra $50, here's where it was going to go. And so once you actually build the budget and you set aside money for your tithes and your giving and and what you need for essentials and things like that, um, then you kind of follow this plan. Uh, And you kind of walk through the list here. It really is about um, feeling good about how you're making progress in this. If you feel like you need to do all these things, guess what? You know, we always try and do a lot of stuff and a lot of times stuff doesn't get done. But if it's all about what's the next thing on the list, somehow that makes it a little more focused. And that really helped us going from trying to do it all to saying, what's next on our list? Yeah. And so as you get into this, you know, baby step one is having $1,000 in an emergency fund. That's kind of that starter emergency fund, he calls it. And, and for us, that was, wow, that, let's get that target knocked out. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, and again, whether it's two weeks or a month or two months from now or whatever the case may be, we're just going to get after this and get $1,000 in the bank so that, you know, as life little things happen, you're, you're, you're covered in that. Um, baby step number two is having uh, your, your, your debt snowball created and start going with that. Um, and Dave's principle with that is you can have, you know, every debt gets lined up from smallest to largest. And you pay minimum payments on everything except for the smallest, um, <laughs> smallest bill that you have. And you, and you work as hard as you can to get that first one paid off and crossed off the list. And you roll that next, you know, the minimum payment you had on that into the next one and so on and so forth. And the idea there is, is that you know, Dave Ramsey's recognized through the 20 years that he's been doing this or whatever that this is about uh, more about behavior and getting excited about being on a, on a plan for this uh, than the actual interest rates and the dollars and cents and all those kind of things because you know we got ourselves in this mess let's get ourselves out of it kind of a thing. And so as you roll through that and you, as you get baby step two done, it's baby step three is is fully funded emergency fund, three to six months of expenses in the bank. And he kind of thinks of those as the, you know, the foundation of all the things that we're doing. You know, if we can get the, the foundation of, of, your, of your financial life built, somehow you can you know, breathe a little easier about this stuff, I think. And then from then on, it's about you know, investing for retirement and saving for kids' college and you know, even paying off your house early. Um, all to that end of you know, bar, you know, borrow our servant to the lender. We're going to get out of that as a, as, a, as a part of our life eventually down the line. And then baby step seven is building wealth and giving a bunch of it away. And that really struck us as, like, what's all this money stuff about at the end of the day? Well, it's about setting us free um, to have healthy conversations about this stuff, to not be so, um, to actually, frankly, spend less time thinking about money and and worried about it. And at the end of the day, it's not about piling up the plunder. It's about giving a bunch of it away and experiencing the joy of that that, you know, I think very few people probably don't get to enjoy. That's right. We want to get there. Just basic steps. I mean, it's not rocket science. Sure. I mean, it's not like this is something out of left field. I mean, this is just do this, do this, keep going, don't stop, and pretty soon you'll be experiencing the financial peace and freedom. Now, Joe, you know, you're an artist. I mean, you didn't go to financial school. I mean, you just sort of learned these things, and, and now you're implementing them. And then what are the results? What, what are some of the results now that you've been following some of these basic steps? Mm, yes, um, very true. It's not like this is something I am super knowledgeable about. But, um, but if I continue to just keep my heart in the right place and apply these things. The things that I've found, again, not to state a cliche, but I feel so at peace with my finances, with where all of that is going, with the plan. Like, 
I, I almost can't explain it. It is seriously so freeing. It's it's almost a joy. Like when we sit down and make our budget, you know, you'd think things like that would just be really constraining and you know, seriously, do we really have to do this sort of uh, mm-hmm. things? But when we do it, I just get pumped. I get so excited, <laughs> and it's just it's because you're not managing your own stuff. You're managing for God. So it's like. You know, even though some of these people, when they got the hundred dollars, are feeling stressed. At the same time, you have that excitement because you're like, somebody has given me this. What can I do? And it's just this crazy, you know, feeling of knowing that you have this power, almost, you know, to manage this well. So, peace for sure, and joy, and just being able to manage it absolutely. And and the cool thing is, um, I was also telling Chad about this. You know, for me, like. The people I work with, I see them, you know, what, 50% of my life or whatever the statistic is. They definitely know me, you know, and they see my personality. And, um, you know, we go out for lunches together. We go out for coffees, things like that. And those things all cost money. Um, and with being on the budget, you know, it's I only have so much money. And I remember a coworker of mine, good friend of mine, uh, his name is Chris. You know, he wanted to go out for coffee or something. I was just like, you know what? I'm actually, I'm kind of out of my money for the month. Just made a little joke about it. And, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll catch you next month or something. And, and he's, he's a good friend of mine, so he's seen me through the process. He knows my goal, you know, and uh, how I'm working to pay off my debt. And he just came over, and he's just like, this is so cool. Like, you know, I, I just... I, I see how dedicated you are to this, and it's just really cool, you know? And it was just a simple statement, but the fact that he realized what I was doing kind of threw me off, you know? It was, to me, it was just this choice I made, and it was just something I was doing. And, you know, I feel kind of dumb, honestly, when I can't go out to lunch with my coworkers, and I'm like, great, you know, this, this kind of stinks, you know, I'd like to, but this is a choice I made. But to see them respond to me in that way, changed how I was thinking about it for sure. So, you know, my life has changed in that way. People around me are saying things. They're, you know, recognizing it, even though it's a sacrifice, absolutely. Um, but they see it for something different, and that's really cool. So, But it sounds like you're a light in, in, your, in your world on how to manage resources well, and people notice that, and, and they applaud uh, you in following some of these basic principles towards financial peace. Because that's the destination. That's the X. And, and, and you're on your way and we're on our way. And we all want to try to encourage one another to apply some of these basic things into our life. Because if we do, then we'll experience that joy. Mm-hmm. We'll experience that peace. We won't have the argument. We won't have the uncertainty of where did it go at the end of the month. We've thought about it ahead of time. We've placed it where our values are. And we're, we're, we're communicating that in a way that makes sense. And other people see that. And glorify God who's in heaven. Because they see that where our money is, that's where our treasure is also. Let's give it up for these guys and, and show our appreciation. And... God has given us so much. God has given us so much to manage on his behalf. He's given us so many Skittles, if you will. And he's given us an opportunity to invest that wisely. And we know these things. We know the principles. But will we implement them? Will we, will we take those baby steps to go down to the path, to the X that marks the spot? And if you're already there, are you growing in the grace of giving? Are you excelling past some percentage mark that you, that, that you're growing from five to 10 to 25 to giving more and more away into God's kingdom, to God's resources so that you can experience the joy of participating in His work? 
You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he said so many profound things about money and possessions. And one of the things he said to the rich young ruler, if you remember the story in Matthew 19, this rich man, this, this wealthy person came up to Jesus and he said to Jesus, Hey, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What do I need to do in order to experience an eternal kind of life? And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which one? The man inquired. And Jesus replied, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And then Jesus said these profound words. Jesus answered this. He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. See, Jesus, that's kind of strong. You know, that's a little intense. You know, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. That's kind of strong, Jesus. That's kind of intense. Why would you be calling this individual to give everything away? Well, just earlier, you'll notice that in verse 18, when the man replied, when Jesus replied, what must I do? Jesus answered, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony. Do you remember what command he left out? Don't covet. See, see what this man struggled with was, was coveting, was Hoarding was was greed. He was wanting something else. He was wanting his neighbor's stuff. And Jesus pressed that what he treasured most. His possessions. Because where your possessions are, that's where your heart is. And he says, give it away. Give it away so that you will love me with all of your heart. Now, I don't think that Jesus is calling each one of us just to sell all our stuff and give to the poor. But I do know he's asking us to do this. He's asking us to acknowledge that all we have is a gift from him. It's not ours. We're managers of his resources. He's asking us to invest what he's entrusted to us wisely. To give 10% right off the top to his, his kingdom. To manage what he's entrusted to us wisely. To save. To get out of debt. To, to reduce our expenses so that we can grow in the grace of giving. So that at the end of our race we can stand before God and hear those words, Well done, good and faithful friend. Good, good and faithful servant. You finished the race. You, you've used these resources wisely. Come and share in your master's happiness. You've got to the X that marks the spot. You've experienced freedom and peace when it comes to your finances. And now I'm going to entrust you with eternal treasures. May we be a people that understand these basic principles and apply them to our lives so that we can experience financial peace and freedom and joy. And giving away what God has entrusted to us. Let us pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you so much for your word and all the truths in it. And how it relates to every area of our lives, especially our money and possessions. And I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would, would prompt us on the steps that we need to take, each one of us, in our lives. On how we can get to that acts of financial peace and freedom. And experience the joy of giving. So minister to us, God, to strengthen us to take those next steps, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the ushers come down to receive the offering, it's just a reminder that all that we have is a gift from God. And this is our way to give back to him out of all that he has given to us.